0: My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the Lord be in my heart and on my lips that I may fitly and worthily proclaim the Holy Gospel in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My sermon this morning is called The New and Living Way, taken from the reading that we just heard from the Epistle to the Hebrews. One of my favorite things uh, about being a dad is, um, is my children, right? I mean, that's what being a dad is, right? It'd be hard to, yeah, anyway, you get, you get where I'm coming from. Um, but one of the things that my kids love to do and you may have had this experience yourself if you have young kids or you had young kids in the past, is they like to just throw themselves at you. Have you ever had that experience? Like they'll just be sitting down and they'll just run over and just jump on expecting you to grab them or to catch them, or not even that, maybe even just expecting your body to be there so they can kind of bounce and roll off of you if they need to, so they don't get hurt. Right, my kids like to do that. Like I'll be just sitting on the floor next to our big striped pillow and Isaac will just come running over and he'll just flop down on my stomach, driving all the air out of me and making me go. Ugh. And Sophia, she'll do this thing with her eyes where she'll she'll close her eyes and she'll go, Aah! she'll start running. She'll just run straight to me and either me or Shantae, like if Shantae's in the kitchen, like at the sink, she'll come and just like run and jam her head in the back of her leg or into my leg or like in the front into our knees and she'll just run like headlong into us. And it's fun, it's fun. Like, but you have to be on your guard, right, because you, know, you don't want them to hit your knee or something like that. But, but that kind of, um, that trust that they have, right, they, they, they don't worry about, well, if, is dad going to catch me? Um, is, is he going to get the angle wrong when I like, land on him and I'm going to fall and hit my head? No, they don't think any of that. They just run full tilt and throw themselves at you expecting you to catch them or to at least you know, stop their fall. They like to just launch themselves. And thinking about that, in connection with the, Hebrew, the, the scripture that we heard from the epistle to the Hebrews, or the author, who, who may have been St. Paul or someone closely working with him, it says that we have full assurance of faith. It says that we have confidence to enter the holy place. Full Confidence. That we have full assurance of faith. And this is a massive deal for the readers or the hearers of the epistle to the Hebrews. And for us as well today. As Jesus is described in the epistle reading from the Hebrews. As the new and living way that gives us confidence to enter the holy place. The place where God's presence dwells. Let's talk about new priests versus old priests. So our bibles are divided up into two parts. Well, three if you if you, you know, have a bible with the apocrypha, right? Or if you're really cool, you have a bible where the apocrypha is already integrated into the old testament and then you only have two parts. The Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, many people like to overemphasize the differences between the two Testaments and say things like God in the Old Testament is really, really, really mean and angry and nasty and nobody likes him. But in the New Testament, God is super awesome, affirming and nice. That's just not true and close readings of the Old Testament don't bear this up. The Old Testament points us to the new. As St. Augustine reminds us, the new is in the old concealed, and the old is in the new revealed. The nature between them is not one of antagonism, but of type and anti-type, of precursor and fulfillment. And that said, there are differences, of course, because the patterns laid out in the Old Testament are revealed and fulfilled in the advent of Jesus Christ. And this is especially true of the sacrificial priesthood. Hebrews deals with at this, uh, on this topic at length. But it notes in the selection this morning that the high priest in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is daily standing. In other words, he is doing his work which involves making the same sacrifices over and over and over again, day after day after day after day for the sins of the people. That is the job of the priest in the old covenant to continually be offering before the Lord sacrifices to him in connection with managing the sin of the people And so we have this idea in our minds that it's all animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, but that's just, that's not the case. We do have sacrifices of animals in the Old Testament. There are also sacrifices to God made with food, with barley cakes and and, and, and things like that. And one of the things that we forget about the Old Testament sacrifices is we think that when they sacrificed the animals, that primarily the whole thing was just sort of The the blood was taken and the animal was just completely burned alive. There were whole burnt offerings, but primarily what you would do in the sacrificial system is you would sacrifice the animal and then the meat would be, some of the meat would be set aside and burned. And then what would you do with the rest of it? You would eat it, right? You would eat it. So this is the role of the priest to make these sacrifices on behalf of the people, day after day after day after day, year after year after year after year. And this culminates of course with the Day of Atonement, when the sins of the entire people as a nation are dealt with and expunged through the ritual of sprinkling the holy items in the holy place with blood and sending the, uh, the goat bearing the sins of the people into the wilderness. And this daily pattern of sacrifices is laid out in the Old Testament. And to top it off, this does not actually take the sins away. It only manages them. It only, maybe we could say, covers them. Or it only, I think manages is a better word, right? But the work of Jesus as our high priest, which again is a major theme in Hebrews, his work of being our high priest is better As his sacrifice for sins is not offered repeatedly over and over and over and over again, day after day after day after day after day. His sacrifice was one that was offered for all time, a single sacrifice for sins. And then compared with the Old Testament priest who stands daily, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. This is the position of authority, and it also means that his sacrificial work is finished. He does not need to stand daily to offer sacrifices because his sacrifice was the sacrifice that ends all sacrifices. Not only are our sins forgiven, but God does not even remember them anymore. And we have to also remember, brothers and sisters, that sometimes when we come before the Lord's table, sometimes we might hear this language of sacrifice. Of the Lord. And then we say to ourselves, well, are we sacrificing Jesus again? Uh, And that's actually a misconception that's aimed at uh, our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters uh, and our Orthodox and Anglican brothers and sisters as well is that, well, you're sacrificing Jesus over again. But they don't believe that, right? They believe that the sacrifice of the Eucharist is our participation in Christ's one finished sacrifice. It's not a re-sacrifice of Jesus over and over again because Scripture in the teaching of the church is very clear that this sacrifice of Jesus was once for all. And that means, brothers and sisters, right, that the that the entirety of the Old Testament and their sacrificial systems point us towards the fulfillment that we see in Jesus. Which then means that all of that, that whole sacrificial system, is now obsolete. And it is done away with. Something better is here. The fulfillment is here. There's a relationship between Christ's finished work of sanctifying us from sin and our lived out experience in our lives. Right, so we say, well, if Jesus has forgiven our sins, then why every Sunday do we come and we confess our sins over and over and over and over again? Because, as we heard from the the, the readings, right, and I'll talk a little bit more, more about this at the end, but we are awaiting the day of the Lord. We're awaiting the final consummation of the salvation that we have been given now. And at that day is when we will be completely renewed and totally redeemed and sanctified. But right now we undergo the sanctifying work as we live our lives in obedience to God, as we unlearn patterns and acts of sin. Our acknowledgment of our cleansing drives us to repentance when we sin, as we learn to become more like Christ, as we leave the works of the flesh, dead works, as it says in Hebrews, as we leave those behind and learn how to live by the Spirit. Let's talk about living flesh versus the dead curtain. Jesus' offering of himself grants us access into the very presence of God. Because our sins have been forgiven, enabling us to even to be able to stand before him in the first place. And not only that, but the scripture says that God the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. So in the Old Testament, no one could enter the most holy place because that's where the Ark of the Covenant was located, right? The only person who could go into the most holy place, because remember, when we, when, in Sunday school, right, if you saw the flannel graph of the tabernacle like I did, right, and they, here's all the, in the, in the lampstand and in the, in the, the table of the bread and the altar over here and then the, the curtain, and then behind the curtain, the Holy of Holies, that pattern lived on in the temple, and nobody could go back there except for one person, the high priest, and he could only go there one day a year, once a year. But, what we, but in Mark 15, 37 to 38, when Jesus is crucified, right? It says the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That curtain is the dividing line in the temple between the most holy place and the other areas of the temple. And when Jesus dies, the whole curtain... And we don't think, it's not like a curtain, you know, kind of like as thick as my my stole or, or, you know, my, my preaching robe. It's a thick, massive curtain. That curtain is torn in two like a piece of paper. That dividing line was broken down. Showing the end of the sacrifices. Showing the immediate access that we have through Jesus to the Father. The old way of entering God's presence is forever dead. And the only way now is through the new and living way. The rent and torn but living flesh of Jesus Christ. St. John Chrysostom notes, For the first was a way of death leading to Hades or Sheol. But of this life, Uh, sorry, but this of life. And yet he did not say of life, but called it indeed living, namely that which persists by God's own command. Through the curtain, he says, of his flesh, and with good reason did he call the flesh of Jesus a curtain. And I love this. For when it was lifted up on high, then the things in heaven appeared. Right, so St. John Chrysostom, he, he attaches the rending of the curtain with what's happening in the Gospel of Mark, but also with Jesus' ascension, right? It says rightly so that we call Jesus a curtain because when he's lifted up on high, then we saw the things in the heavens, right? Then the angels appeared to them. Why are you standing around here looking up at the sky? Go back to Jerusalem like you, told you to, you bunch of ninny hammers, right? Like, go, wait, get in there, like, do what he said. Then the things in heaven appeared. The Spirit is then poured out at the day of Pentecost upon them. And we enter into the presence of God only through the new and living way, only through the flesh of Jesus Christ, only through Christ. I want to make that as clear and as explicitly, (laughs) put it out there as clear as possible. There is no way into the presence of God except through Jesus because... All of our own righteousness, all of our good works that we try to do, all of the the good that we think that we possess in and of ourselves is nothing in the sight of God. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Doesn't matter how moral we think we are. The only way into the presence of God is through the wounds of Christ. Now let's talk about neglect versus meeting. Today's reading in Hebrews ends with this final line, Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Many years ago, I was involved in churches that had a peculiar peculiar outlook as to why one should go to church. The reason was was given that because the pastor or the minister has a specific word from God, And if you miss the service, you're going to miss out on what God has to tell you, right? There's a piece of information that you need, and if you don't come to church to hear that piece of information, you're going to miss out. And I think there's a a slight degree of truth to that sort of statement, but it's largely mistaken, right? Yes, pastors and ministers tend, uh, we need to carefully study and read God's word, right? And I would encourage you uh, to, to take that one-year Bible plan and, and take that and read it and stick with it. And instead of being, uh, just reading the Psalms every day, actually maybe integrate the Psalms as, as, as part of prayer, right? Pray the Psalms instead of just sitting there and reading it. But we all need to read, and we all need to study Scripture, right? But especially those of us who stand up here in the pulpit. We need to carefully study and read God's Word. But more importantly, we need, those of us who stand up here need to cultivate a life of prayer. And that's actually sometimes more important than all the careful study and reading of God's Word. We need to cultivate a life of prayer, because we can get our heads so stuck in books and talking about God that we neglect to actually enter into the relationship to which God calls us. I know many people who have their heads full of Bible, can quote the scriptures, but applying them is another thing for them, right? They may know all the context of scripture, they may know ancient languages, But just because you know ancient languages and may know context of scripture doesn't mean that you're actually serving and following Jesus. That cultivating life of prayer is, is something that we all need. There's more to coming to church than hearing me preach from the scriptures. And honestly, I hope I don't fall into this category, but there's lots of people who don't have much to say. We don't neglect coming together as the church because church is the place of formation. And a lot of Christian worship, and this is why I resisted so, is, is driven more by revivalism, designed to try to bring people to a crisis point in order to make a pressure a decision to accept Jesus. But the church isn't about that. Church is where we learn To do what Hebrews says in the reading that we heard in the 23rd verse. Holding fast our confession. That confession that Jesus is Lord. And that we are in Him. And that He is in us. And we are part of His body. And we can do this because God promised us certain things. And God is faithful to fulfill what He promised. Which is what Jesus' appearance highlights. And He says... I'll read it in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Listen, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So something that helps us when we gather with a pure heart and with a true heart and full assurance of faith, right? But it's also our faithfulness. It's not just the things that we know and the things that we say we confess about Jesus. I can do the Nicene and the Apostles' Creed and the Athanasian Creed, and I can put check marks near all of those things. It's not just that, but it's about our faithfulness to God, our faithfulness to Christ. And our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water, right? So when we do not have that full assurance of faith, this is one of the the great insights of Martin Luther, right? Is we can hold on to our baptism. That is God's promise to us that God will fulfill what he said he would do. And church is the place where that happens. And it's also the place where we, we stir one another up to love and good works, which is what it says in verse 24. St. John Chrysostom noted, we have no need of labors or of sweating if we love one another. It is a pathway leading of itself towards virtue. For on the highway, if one finds the beginning, he is guided by it and has no need of one to take him by the hand. So it is in regard to love. Only lay hold of the beginning and at once you are guided and directed by it. We have no need of labors or of sweating if we love one another. And that love begins here. Jesus said, people outside will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for each other. And then the love that we have for each other spreads to those outside. And all this is to be done in light of the day of the Lord drawing near. And we heard that reading from the book of Daniel. And we, we, with that first hymn that we sung this morning, it talked about when the stars begin to fall from from the sky. We heard that in the hymn, right? And then we heard in the reading from Daniel just a few moments ago, it says that we will shine. And then I preached uh, at All Saints, I think it was last week, they will shine forth from the book of wisdom. The day when the Jesus who left in the clouds will return in glory. The day when the rewards promised to us will finally be fully in our hands. Where the new and living way of the flesh of Jesus leads to the eternal life we will enjoy in the world to come. And if we have done right, as St. Clement reminds us, then we shall enter this kingdom and receive. We will receive What God has laid up and what God has prepared for us, something so amazing, so wonderful, that we cannot begin to possibly imagine or conceive all that God has in mind for those who love him, the scriptures remind us. And so to Jesus Christ, the new and living way, be all glory and honor together with his Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to GoFundMe.com slash Zions Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower, as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me, or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zion Stone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, ZionstoneUCC.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.